We're going to start today with a question. Whoever's listening, think about this. Do you actually use LinkedIn? Are you using it well? I take a pause there because you really got to think about it. Not many people actually use LinkedIn the way they should. One thing I constantly am encouraging people to do is reach out to old colleagues. You know, reconnect with people that you were friends with and you are not maybe anymore because you moved to a new job. Those friendships don't need to die. You need to keep those relationships going. And LinkedIn's a great place for that. One of the people I've kept in touch with is Jennifer Davis. What I've loved about her career is she has really put her hand in a variety of buckets and goes out there and tries it all. And that's inspiring. And I really think you're going to be inspired by her story. She started her own business, Jennifer Davis Media Group, and she's here to tell you how she did it. So Jen, I have to start off by asking, you know, when you're, when you're talking to people, how do you explain, you know, what you do? So what do you do exactly now? Okay. Well, first I want to say it's wild and it's like a flashback because you, many years ago, you were producing me and it feels like, you know, that day when you were in New York. So mm-hmm. sprinkle some of your producing magic on this conversation. Yes. Keep, us, keep us on track. Uh, so what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Uh, today I run my own business. It's called Jennifer Davis Media Group. And I do executive communications coaching for CEOs and senior leaders. I also produce content for them. Anything from speeches, blogs, articles, podcasts, and videos. And then I am also COO of Laura Evans Media, which is a progressive public relations company here in D.C. Mm-hmm. We do publicity, thought leadership, and content as well. So as, she, as you're hearing what she does now, you may be wondering, well, what did she do before? Well, Jen has actually been a freelancer, and I'm going to have her explain a little bit about what she's done. But she and I met at Fox News Edge. You may hear Fox News Edge and go, what, what, what is Fox News Edge? Fox News Edge is a part of Fox News Channel. She's also worked at CNN News Source, affiliates as a reporter. She's written packages, has been on air, and she really comes to the conversation with a lot of experience that anyone is lucky to tap into because she really has been on all sides. So Jen, why don't you start off by saying, you know, what was maybe one of the roles that you've held that really helped you kick off this, this new venture that you're on? Was there something behind you in the back of your, of your career that you're like, you know what, it was that, that moment that I realized what I'm doing now is really what I should have probably been doing all along. You know, I don't think that I should have been doing this all along because I actually okay, can see points in my career that make sense. I think there's chapters. And for mm-hmm. me, there have definitely been chapters. I always wanted to be a reporter. I did. And I initially thought I wanted to be a print reporter. And then I found my way to an internship at CNN. And when I did that and saw how you could merge video and sound with words and storytelling, it just blew my mind. So I always (laughs) knew I wanted to be a reporter. That was my dream for a very long time. And I never dreamed beyond that. (laughs) I don't know if it was just being a little naive or that I thought I would be in news forever, but that was always my dream. And, uh, the, the culmination of it for me was working for National Affiliate Services. Mm-hmm. I started in small towns. I started in Amarillo, Texas, and then I went to Albuquerque, and then I went to St. Louis as a TV reporter. And then I came back to Washington, D.C., which is my home. That was always my goal. And I wanted to report in D.C. because I love politics. I love news in D.C. And I wanted to do it at the national level, too. Uh, I didn't know what freelancing was when I came to D.C. to interview. I'd only worked full-time for stations before. But in big cities like D.C., there's a thriving freelance market. And what it means is that you're not under contract with anybody. Mm -hmm. You 
they call you in when they need people. And that sounds, that sounded mm-hmm. incredibly risky and almost dumb to do in the beginning. I was like, <laughs> how am I going to pay my bills if I don't know who's going to mm-hmm. call? Yeah. But I had an assistant news director say to me, look, in a town like this, there's so much freelance work that if you're good and people like you and you make slot and you don't, you know, you deliver a good product, you're never going to want for work. And it was true. I freelanced as a TV reporter in DC for 14 years until I decided I didn't want to do it anymore. And, uh, but the work was always there. And I did it. um, I kept channel five here in DC as my local station. So I worked with them a lot. And then I worked for Fox News Edge, which is their affiliate service for 10 years. I also did it at CNN News Source, Hearst, Reuters, a lot of others. And so what it meant was when I was based in DC, when it was when there wasn't breaking news all over the country, I would do a package or a live shot from DC on what happened on the Hill or what was happening in the White House. And then the other part of it was uh, when big news happened, when there was uh, a plane crash or a hurricane or a tornado or American Idol, (laughs) we did a lot of American Idol Mm -hmm. finales. I would go and I would stand in front of the camera for a 12 hour shift. I would track a package, like a minute to a minute and a half package. And then you would produce me (laughs) and we would stand together And every five minutes, we would do a live shot for a different station. We would start on the East Coast for morning shows, for example. We would move to the Midwest and Central Mountain Time and then out out to the West Coast. And every five minutes, you would say, Jenny, John and Sarah are in your ear from Cleveland. (laughs) And then you'd be like, all right, Jenny, now we're going to, um, you know, Chicago. And then we'd get out to L.A. and then we'd start over again. And, And, And to that point, like it was intense. You know, a lot of people who are saying to themselves, I want to be a reporter one day and maybe freelancing is for me and maybe affiliate services is for me. Affiliate services is hard. Like you weren't just sitting there talking to John and Paul here, Bob here. It was like every five minutes. And a live hit, if you're roll, toss and tag in a package, that's like your chunk. You're really like kicking it to the next person really quickly. And you're also writing a package to potentially be getting to somehow during your day. I just remember it being like a very nonstop. And you were doing it with a smile though. That was well, really and nice. you too. I mean, <laughs> we were very energetic. <laughs> we are, we are energetic. But also I would say there'd be times where in between you'd be like, Jenny, I need you to retract this because something yeah. just changed. And we would update that package multiple times too. The most live shots I ever did on one shift was either 82 or 85. Oh yes, um, I would imagine. In a, in a 12 hour shift, it was the the day the Boston Marathon bomber was caught. And mm-hmm. so I, I mean, there wasn't even time to run the bathroom. You just mm-hmm. stood there every five minutes and you just did it. Um, I loved the work. I loved the people that I worked with because, you know, there was just incredible people doing the job. But I loved the adrenaline rush. I loved that it was different every five minutes, that we were always on the move, that I never sat down. What I did not, you asked what I, you know, what set me up for now. What I did not realize at the time was how much that job in the affiliate service Mm -hmm. paved the way for what I'm doing now. And I think as journalists, we're so busy doing things every day, like all day long, moving Mm -hmm. so quickly. Um, I had no clue how many of those skills that I was just doing on the fly that you and I and others just do to keep up with the moment, to give people what they need, how it's exactly what I'm doing now. The audience Mm -hmm. analysis piece that I learned, you know, and you would know this, the way that I would need to talk to anchors in DC, say we're covering the inauguration. 
in DC, they would ask me questions, very policy focused, politics, what's happening on the Hill, like really nitty, nitty gritty into that. We'd go to Cleveland. They certainly want to know about politics, but they're not quite as in the weeds as DC. By the time we get to LA and we're talking the inauguration, they want to know what celebrities are showing up. And, you know, there's just, they have very different audiences and local TV are masters at knowing who their audience is and changing the package to directly give their viewers what they want. And in the corporate world, they want to do that, but they don't quite know how. And so we did it every five minutes, right? I knew that when you said we're going to Chicago, I knew how I needed to change my my toss and my tag. Or when you said we're going to Miami or, you know, I, I knew what that meant just by you telling me the location. And so I'm doing that in a great part today in my work, helping companies do, we have a little more time. It's not every five minutes, but in figuring out who the audience is and we have that same nuts and bolts package, but how do we need to adapt the message for whoever the audience is? And it's a very good point. You know, so many individuals, maybe even there could be people listening, right. That are in a field right now where all they do is think about the audience and may want to be a reporter or vice versa. Right. So they could be hearing you and being inspired by this, hearing the transferable skill sets that are between different roles. But what you're saying here, which I think is extremely important to who you are and what you offer now, is the fact that you have this quick capability of understanding who the audience is, but also encouraging individuals that you work with to think about who's your audience. And a lot of what we do in television is trying to understand exactly that. Where people in this field, you know, may think to the point that you've made before, they may not think that they have the value to change into or to pivot because they may not realize the skills that they have are transferable into something like what you're doing now, which is executive. You know, you're working with executives. So, I mean, what else in your career or that has helped you kind of pivot throughout that is worth, you know, bringing up? Well, I, I, I thought about this in advance and um, because, because uh, look, I know we, you're a producer, you're organized. I got to come prepared for you. So yes, I mean, I think I, if you're, depending on what you want to do, whether you're trying to get into news or mm -hmm. out, I think being able to translate your skills, you know, for me to, it took some time for me to understand what we were doing in the affiliate service world and how I needed to explain that to other people. But once I understood the components of what we were doing, and what part I was good at and what part I liked doing. And then I could then I could make those connections easier and then I could bring that to others. So I do think knowing your worth, really taking some time when you're not working, because there's no time while you're working, but when you've stepped away to really break down what are those pieces that you're good mm -hmm. at, the storytelling, the audience analysis, the writing, that part's obvious, but there's other things. There's pivoting in a crisis, m managing multiple people dealing with, you know, high stress environments, um, all sorts of strategy, strategy topics, uh, figuring out what those individual elements are. So make sure that you, that you identify those and then you can communicate them to others so that you can do it. And I think figuring out which of those you love the most, we tend as journalists to say, Oh, I just love my job. I love doing news. Mm -hmm. But which of those elements are your favorite? I think that's important because mm -hmm. for me, being a journalist was my dream. Like I said, mm -hmm. I hadn't planned mm -hmm. anything beyond that. And I always just said, like, being in news was my dream. What I've discovered in my pivot is that really, I think storytelling was the dream for me. Um, mm -hmm. And I 
doing it in TV was the most obvious, easiest way I could figure out to do it when I was younger. But now, once I broke down the components of what was meaningful to me, I realized that the storytelling is really what lights me up. I love helping people and organizations find great stories, tell those stories. I especially like stories. I always in TV love the feature stories, the kickers, mm-hmm. the really human interest, inspirational stories. And there was less and less of a demand for that in TV. But there's a huge demand and desire for that in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. So once I figured out that for me, that's the the really fun thing to do and and the real need for that, that really helped me plan my next pivot. So that's number one <clears> is to, <throat> to know your worth and be able to translate it. But I think the other enormous enormous thing that helped me figure out what I wanted to do was that I didn't go it alone. And, you know, one of the magic pieces about working in news, as you mentioned, is all the people we meet, right? The industry in some senses feels feels big, but it's also very small. Everybody knows everyone. People are constantly moving. And I loved that environment. Even Mm -hmm. when I was getting, even when I knew in my heart it was time to leave, that it wasn't feeling right for me anymore. I, it was the people that I was Mm going to miss. That was probably the last, that was that last thing that was hard to separate from. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I didn't have to separate from the people as you mentioned. Right. I think what I learned was that my newsroom became my network Mm -hmm. and I did not make this pivot alone. I can't even imagine how you would do something like this alone. So there were two main ways. I mean, um, I have a dear friend named Laura Evans. She was an anchor at the local station, Fox 5, when I was reporting there. And we worked together for over 10 years. And so we both pivoted out at about the same time for the same reasons. We were feeling like we were doing a lot of negative stories. Um, you know, the, the balance as mothers was becoming challenging. We just, we were feeling the same things and we pivoted at the same time. She created her company. I created mine. Um so find your Laura, because <laughs> you've got to, whoever that person can be for you, because we each were doing our own companies for a year, but we very much leaned on each other. We would call and say, like, how do you do an invoice or what are you charging? Or do you think we mm-hmm. could figure this? I could figure this out. We, I had somebody who I could reach out to for anything and she could for me. And so for a year, we did our companies parallel and then. Um, I was doing the coaching and the, the writing work. She was growing this PR company and she said, I need help. And so then we merged. And honestly, I can tell you the work that I'm doing today, I think I may love it more than I love oh! the news, which is... <laughs> That's what we want to hear. <laughs> I mean, that blows my mind. Yeah. Because like I said, I never dreamt beyond news. But um, boy, I love what we're doing. I love because it's because it's doing the things that she and I felt were missing before where we're mm. helping change makers and disruptors find their stories and tell their stories. I'm coaching really smart people so that they can communicate better. It's very fulfilling. Um, so find your Laura. <laughs> Don't go it alone. Find your Laura. But the other thing I did, um, I lucked into was joining what we called a mastermind group. There were about seven of us who were pivoting. Uh, and some people wanted to get out of news. Some just wanted to go to different outlets. And a dear, talented friend named Diane Roberts brought us together for what what she dubbed the mastermind group. And the, the rule of the group was every time we met, you had to come with one need. You had to come and say, I need help with this. And I think it's hard to ask for help, especially as you're trying to figure things out. So the fact that the it was just ex- mm-hmm. expected that everyone was going to come with one need 
really pushed us, I think, to to get help, mm-hmm. to move faster, to solve the problems we were facing, to get over the barriers, and to work together and, you know, the work that we've given each other, the ways that we've helped. Sometimes people would say, I just need work. I'm not making enough money. Or sometimes they would say, I'm really struggling with the financial aspects. I'm not an accountant. What do I do? Or, you know, I'd like to try this next. Anyone know anyone? And the power of that group, we've been together for seven years and it's extraordinary. So I think Mm -hmm. tip two is don't go it alone. Find your Laura, find your mastermind group, find ways to create community, even if you're doing something on your own or going into an area where no one else is, because I think that's what pushes you further. I think these are great tips. I'm going to, um, we're going to, I'm going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want you to talk more about your tips, but I also want you to tell us more about pivoting as a mom. And then, um, maybe we can also address some of the questions I'm sure people have are the types of skills that it takes to really find a job. If you're in the news and you're looking outside of it, what to, what kind of skills they, they need to realize they have. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Again, I'm Jamie Maglietta here with Jennifer Davis. Um, one of the things that we were talking about before were just some of the tips that she um, she has to offer regarding her pivot from being a reporter to having her own media company. Three of those tips were don't go it alone, know your worth, and remember your newsroom is your network. Back with us is Jennifer Davis. You know, Jennifer, I just, you know, a lot of people call you Jenny, Jenny Fur, Jenny. What do I, what should I, what should Jenny, I go with you, in this setting? People, people Can I go know, with Jenny here? Because I'm like, we're know me. Yes, professional, go with but I don't want to, you know. So Jen, here's the thing. A lot of people could be watching thinking, okay, well, she went it alone, not in the sense of you freelanced, right? You were freelancing. You never really had the 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 structure around you of a big company telling you what to do and what you can't do. But how did you make that work for you and your family? Like freelancing can be scary to some people. I'm starting it now, right? So Absolutely. It's a, it's such a great question. Um what when I came to DC and learned about freelancing, for me I was at a point where I was really frustrated because I didn't feel like I had control over my life. At that mm-hmm. point, I'd never had a Christmas off as an adult. I'd never been able mm-hmm. to make it home for Thanksgiving. I wasn't getting able to match my family's summer vacations. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we used to joke that we were fighting over Flag Day. That was all that was left because I was so low really? in seniority. Mm-hmm. No offense to Flag Day, but no one else was <laughs> celebrating it. Um so I was very mm-hmm. frustrated. I, I was single at the time. I just, my personal life was not matching my professional life in terms of where I wanted it to be. So while freelancing was very scary, that idea that nothing was guaranteed, I still went ahead and and uh, got an apartment, which that seems, I don't know if it seems stupid or brave, but I had no idea how I was going to pay the mortgage or, or the rent each month because I didn't have any guaranteed money coming in. But I went ahead and did that anyway. And, um, and and the work came. The benefit of, of freelance, which worked for me for a very long time, was that I had power over my schedule. So I could say yes, and I could say no. So when I, I in the beginning, I mostly said yes. And after I'd been doing it for a while, I became more comfortable with saying no, I had to build up a little bit. Um, 
you know, to build some sort of uh, reputation. But eventually I got to the place where I didn't have to ask for time off. I just took it. And I guess I have an independent spirit because that was really important to me. It worked great when I was single. It worked great when I was married. Um, Mm -hmm. But that freelancing uh, lifestyle was a lot harder when I became a mom. And it was because of the affiliate service work. So the work that I loved the most, but it required a lot of travel. So I could be at the playground with my daughter and get a call. Hey, we need you at the airport in two hours to go mm-hmm. wherever. And that used to be really fun. That used to like get my adrenaline going. Oh yeah, and of course. <laughs> that was like the best. I used to live for those calls. But if I was on the playground- Go back in the back of the car, I'm ready. But now- I was say, absolutely. The go bag was always packed. I was like, yeah, I didn't even have to go home. I was That was so fun. It was less fun when I had to yeah. look at my daughter on the playground and say, we got to go home. And then I had to figure out childcare. And then I didn't know how long I was going to be gone. For me- it was just hard. And mm-hmm. I, there's plenty of parents who freelance, but there was a lot of travel in mine. And it just, my daughter had medical issues. It just wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't working. Um, so initially I stepped back from the travel part of things. And I did that. I continued to freelance in DC for places that didn't require the travel. And I got another like two years out of that. And then I became a mom of two. And at that point, it just was obvious it wasn't going to work anymore. But again, you asked earlier, What about my news job sort of set me up for now? I do think I was comfortable at that point. I'd done it for 14 years with the ebb and flow of business, right? Not working full time. I had no guarantee of 40 hours. So some weeks might be 60 hours and some might be 20. And I'd had 14 years of getting used to that ebb and flow. And I do think that set me up for starting my own business because that didn't seem quite as risky and scary. And in mm-hmm. fact, mm-hmm. it seemed like a benefit. I did have a friend, a photographer friend, he and his brother started their own business. And years ago, you know, he and I had a conversation about trying to become comfortable in the moments that were quieter, which is hard because as a mm-hmm. freelancer, you're like always scrambling. But the growth, I think, and the maturity for me as a business owner and just someone who's you know been doing this for longer is in recognizing that when those moments are a little quieter, to take them or to use them to focus on internal things with my business that I want to fix or grow. Or maybe it just means taking more time off to spend with my kids. Um, sometimes there's places in the summer now that I try and intentionally make slower so I can have more time with my kids. Yeah. So I think I just have ridden that ebb and flow for a while, but there does need to be some comfort in doing that if you're going to, if you're going to chart your own way, whether freelancing or starting your own business. Yeah, no, it's all really good points. And, you know, so many people that I talk to in the news, you know, from the newsroom, they all, you know, they're doing what they've always dreamt of doing. But what I think is is difficult is trying to have encourage people to always have something else in their back pocket. So when I speak to, to, to young students, I will always tell them, you want to be a journalist? That's great. But you should always have something in your back pocket in case things don't work out or in case you want to freelance. You know, and, and I always get the, well, I don't know what else I would be good at. And it's not just them, you know, people who are who have been in the news for a long time and they don't want to continue, but they don't know what else they could do. Also, 
look at these jobs online and think, well, what could I, what could I actually do? And what would actually be fun? Because of everything we've been through, how is a normal, I say normal, but a regular nine to five job going to be fun? So in your experience, you know, you and I have just worked together, helping me with my, trying to rebrand myself, right? Put together my resume, my story. What are some of the skills that you feel beyond what you've explained that people in the news industry should be considering and trying to utilize when they go into um, job hunting outside of the news industry? Well, this is so difficult, I Mm -hmm. think, because in the news business, the hierarchy is so clear, right? Mm -hmm. Either, you know, you come in low, you know exactly where you're going. And without that hierarchy, literally anything's possible, but that's completely overwhelming. Um, The best advice that I got, I had no, like I said, I had no clue. I mean, I remember how much anxiety I had that sort of first morning I'd walked away from TV and I was like, well, now what do I do? Um, Yeah. Anything and what? I I had no clue. Um, The best advice I got was to stay open. And again, that was hard. I think some of these things that we have to do in the pivot are incredibly hard because they're so different than how we live in news. In in news, it's all about um, knowing exactly what certain roles require. Mm-hmm. When you make that pivot, I think it's about being open. And one of the best pieces, I, I was given a book by a friend called Outrageous Openness. And she was like, you need to read this because you need a, a new mindset. And mm-hmm. the, the, the focus of that book is about being not having a plan. When you feel stuck, when you don't know what to do, being open to whatever comes. And that mm-hmm. sounds somewhere between ridiculous and frightening if you've never done it before. But um, but once you do it, it's really amazing what starts to come. And I mm-hmm. think um, when, you, when you think you know where you're going, it closes your view and you may not even notice certain things. Mm-hmm. And so that idea of being open to whatever comes and trying it. Um, in the beginning, when I made that pivot, I started with writing because that's what I knew I could do. And I agree with you. You have to have something on the side. I mean, some people think that that full-time nine to five under contract, under contract job is the most secure thing you can have. I think that's the most insecure thing you can have because you're putting all your eggs in one basket. And at any point, if anything happens within that organization and they let you go, you have nothing left. So while not knowing exactly where the work comes from, having your hand in a lot mm-hmm. of different things. To me, that always felt way safer because mm-hmm. I could lose one and I had other things. And if maybe they weren't the biggest, but then I could build them up. I never wanted to be totally tied to one place. That just felt too, that felt too scary for me. So I do think it's like me, a comfort. It almost becomes too comfortable. It's too comfortable. And in but comfort, it's, you get complacent. And you're not in control of that. Mm -hmm. Um, In the same way that I felt I didn't have control over my schedule, you know, working for one person, they could decide at any point they don't want you there anymore or they can't afford it or who knows. So I, yeah, so I think casting a wide net is good. That's always what's worked for me. I started with writing because I knew I could do that. So I started with some corporate writing. I had friend who, a friend who'd gone to a, a finance company and she's like, we need some people to help write some things. So, so that was what I started with. That felt very safe. That felt very comfortable. I knew I could do that. I was just writing articles and I'd always written articles on the side. That had mm-hmm. been one of the things that I'd done even as a TV reporter. But then one day someone, a friend called and she said, this, this famous person needed help with their social media. Oh. And she's like, I think you should do it. And 
I was like, huh? <laughs> I mean, I'd run my own social media. Obviously, in yeah. news, you have to do it. I'd never done it for anyone else. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. And she said, yes, you do. You've done it for other people. Mm-hmm. Talk to her, figure out what she wants. And I was like, okay. Um, and of course I could do it. I just had to interview her. I just tapped into all the skills I had. I just had to interview her, find out what she wanted, who she was trying to speak to, what the goals were, and then... Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I knew how to do it. One time, the people that I'd been writing for said, hey, we need an executive summary. Honestly, Jamie, I don't think I'd ever seen. (laughs) There's not not a lot of executive summaries floating around newsrooms. I had no idea what it meant. But I was like, (laughs) you got it. And as soon as I hung up the phone, I Googled what is an executive summary. (laughs) Many examples. And I was like, oh, I can do that. That has happened so many times. So I think part of that translating of your skills is knowing what your foundational skills are and then being open when people say, hey, can you do this to try? And Mm -hmm. some people might say, well, that sounds risky because what if you can't do it? Yeah. What I know about reporters, what I know about journalists, what I know about everyone in the news industry is that they are masters at figuring things out. It's just Mm -hmm. what the job requires. So something goes down in the control room, they're going to figure it out. Your interview doesn't show up, you're going to figure it out. You think the story is going one direction, it doesn't. You think you're doing a package, they ask for a VOSAT. All day long in news, we're figuring things out. And we are great researchers, whether we're just looking for it on our own or we're asking people for advice. Mm -hmm. So what I did learn in that sort of being, again, it goes back to the don't go it alone. Be open and then reach out if you need help. But I I really have found, and so many others that I know have found too, that it's more of a confidence issue than an ability. You can do, if you can write, you can write anything. If you can, um, if you have this audience analysis piece, you can apply it in so many ways. And again, you just may not realize yet all of those ways. But if you, you'll build up your confidence over time, if you're more open to things and, and try them. Well, I think that's great. I was actually going to ask you for your final takeaways, but you really delivered them in that last comment. Well, but- I, I guess my last one would be make sh- really figure out what you love doing. Mm-hmm. I think that is super important. I think there is a, when your news is, is more than just a job, it's somewhere between mm-hmm. a passion and an identity, right? It's something, yes. it's a set of ideals that we believe in. And it's so all encompassing of our life that it's not just a job. And so if you're going to pivot, you can't, I don't think, Well, I mean, if you pivot to something that's just a job, I don't think it's going to fill your soul the same way. And I think people in news really have a a history of doing work that's meaningful. And I Mm -hmm. think it's important to make sure that whatever you pivot to still feels meaningful. Now, maybe the meaning comes in having more time for personal things or for family. So maybe you decide that the work isn't so important because you want more flexibility. I do think, though, for a lot of people, the work needs to feel meaningful, too. Mm -hmm. And so part of that being open and trying things, I think, requires saying it's not just about the paycheck. It's about what what do I like to do? You know, what am I good at and what do I enjoy doing? Where am I really delivering impact and helping others? What's still lighting me up? That, I think, has been the key. When I say I love what I'm doing now more than ever, I think it's because I've been surprised (laughs) by all of these things that I didn't, you know, ever envision myself doing. And, and I love doing them. And I love the people that I'm doing mm-hmm. them with. 
Um, and I love the, to see the impact that it's having. So it still feels, it feels more meaningful, honestly, than ever. And I do think that knowing how journalists are built, that's really important. So don't lose sight of it. The pivot is not just about the title that you get, the salary that you're switching to. It really is about, I think, finding something that makes you happy too. Mm -hmm. Makes you happy. It's so important. And, you know, I just wanted to say that you make me happy because <laughs> I agree with a lot of what you say. And, you know, when I was going through my moment of what do I want to do next, you know, when I was graduating from, from grad school and you were there and we were able to just pick up as if it was, you know, a few weeks ago when we were at Fox News Edge. <laughs> but you, you just bring such a positivity and you really know how to help individuals craft their story, figure out what they want. And that, I think, I could see that being extremely meaningful. And you're doing exactly what you were doing before, but now for a smaller, you know, individual audience, which is, I don't know, more rewarding. And just having spoken to kid, you know, students recently, I see it, you know, you're, you know, you're helping people and that's really, really important. So, it's so much more direct. Yeah. yeah it's more it direct. Mm -hmm. Now, before we go, just tell people what your, um, what kind of services your business offers and how they can find you. Well, LinkedIn, <laughs> whether you're in news or not, find me on LinkedIn. I'm Jennifer Davis. My company is Jennifer Davis Media Group. Um, and yes, right now I'm doing a ton of, of coaching, executive communications coaching. Also, a lot of the content work. I do what are called what I've dubbed digital makeovers. So if you have not been investing much time in your LinkedIn, your leadership story, you know, explaining the impact of what you do, I help people do that. And then, of course, through Laura Evans Media, we are doing a lot of publicity work and thought leadership. So you'll find us out there online and reach out. I'd love Yay. to hear from people. Well, I think that's great. And again, we're recording this in 2022. So just so we all remember, that's where she's at here. We'll see where she goes in 2023. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You've Thank been you, wonderful. Jimmy. Thank you.